So this afternoon I'd like to add one small piece about conflict, about a way of understanding conflict that is connected with our practice and connected with the whole approach of the middle way. I want to do this through a few practices, through a few exercises. So I'd like to give you a conflict, announce a conflict, and then have you as a group of four work with it in the spirit of your practice. Okay? Here's the conflict. You are a 17-year-old girl. You four. (laughs) Your father is going to a a college reunion. He wants to dress in his leather pants that he used to wear when he was uh, 20 years old. They don't fit. (laughs) They're black, shiny leather pants. He's gained a few pounds since he was 20. (laughs) And they're they're actually, um, the way he wears them, they're really, really long. And basically, you as a 17-year-old daughter have some views. About, um, about this situation. Now, here's the conflict. You have been raised, and this actually relates to our wise speech, you have been raised to be both honest and compassionate. What do you say? Your task as a group is to come up with one sentence in four minutes collectively. Yeah, you... Each group has to come up with one sentence that resolves the conflict between being honest and being compassionate. And he, <laughs> what? They don't fit, but he's putting them on anyway. He, he is intending to wear them. <laughs> you can add any further details as you see fit, but you get, you get the picture, right? Let's hear from the different groups, please. The far group. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, and uh, is that honest and compassionate? We thought so. Okay. (laughs) Okay. <laughs> we should probably close the, close the David. Can you close the door? <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. Well, let's hear some of the others. Please. <laughs> the alternate version, if we have a 
So that expresses some um, compassion, does it? Would you say? What do other people is compassion, honesty? Okay. okay. Group the third group. Dad, I think that's a great idea to wear those pants, and I think we should shop for a pair that looks more in style. Let's go shopping together today. <laughs> what was the last part? Let's go shopping together today. Oh yeah. So, is there compassion? And honesty? <laughs> what? <laughs> Helpful. <laughs> we're just, okay, we're... <laughs> okay, this group here? Okay. So, Dan, when are you going to tell me about the drugs, sex, and rock and roll that went along with those things? <laughs> And is there compassion? (laughs) Is there honesty? No. (laughs) Honesty and compassion take a while to develop. (laughs) More than four minutes. Okay, please. This group. Uh, Dad, I I think you do not look your best in those pants. I like you in your brown felt pants better. Is there honesty? Yes. Is there compassion? Yeah. Some compassion. Okay. Please, the last group. Ours is similar to theirs. Uh, Dad, I'd love to take you shopping for a brand new pair of leather pants that fit you and feel great. <laughs> <laughs> so, is there honesty? Yes. Compassion? Yes. Pretty good. Yeah. So... The reason I'm bringing this up is because there's a, there's a very interesting way to look at uh, conflict that is not too different from trying to be honest and compassionate about your father's pants. And it's, um, I want to use the marking board here. It's, it's a model that I learned from a wonderful peacemaker named Johann Galtung. I think it's very close to the middle way of the Buddha. And it's a very, very simple model that I think can give a perspective for all of the conflicts that we've been looking at, some of which may be more personal. Okay. And I want to just give this really briefly and then do uh, another work with a conflict and then... Um, close with looking at the conflict that we looked at this morning, not in the group, but just individually.
So it's one, this is really a way of seeing things that helps us identify when our conflicts take the form of something extremely polarized, which is very common. That, we, that when we're in a situation where I'm right, you're wrong, my side good, your side bad, and so forth. It's a dualistic structure. And what I've learned from working with this, this man, Galtung, is that there's a very powerful way to look at conflict to find ways to um, break up that kind of rigid, uh, dualistic structure in which things get um, stuck, basically. You know? and, and we know those all too well. Maybe some of our conflicts, maybe most of them, were in the model. In this model, the conflict is resolved either by A winning or by B winning. And those are the only alternatives. You know? and, and sometimes if A has more power in a certain way, A can win. Right? It doesn't matter what's true or good or whatever. Sometimes just the, the side with power can win. Now, what is interesting about the model is that there are at least three other options for working with conflicts. And some of them you might, you might think of. One of them is um, compromise. They, I call that point C. It's meeting in the middle, you know, which is often favored in some circumstances. And another way of resolving conflict is to avoid the conflict. It's to move outside of that framework. And, and I've symbolized that by D. You can avoid a conflict. It might be, you know, avoiding the conflict in the situation I just gave you would be, um, you know, if dad asks, how do I look? You know, got to go now. <laughs> that, would be, that would be avoidance. And sometimes... Um, um, sometimes avoidance is a, is a helpful strategy. Sometimes compromise is a helpful strategy. But what is being proposed by Galtug is that there's a way to work with conflict that dissolves the rigid polarity. And he would say that that would be symbolized by going out here and symbolizing it by E, which is in a way finding a solution which meets the legitimate needs of both sides which in a way breaks up the rigid, I'm right, you're wrong, and often goes a little bit further beneath the surface to say, is there a way to look at the situation and say, is there a legitimate need on side A? Is there a legitimate need on side B? So it requires listening. It requires some empathy to really feel the other side rather than to get stuck in the rigid model. And to imagine a solution that meets both needs. Usually when we're in polarized conflicts, imagination is not present. It's just, I'm right, you're wrong. And what this model suggests is that it's really possible to use the imagination. It requires first some analysis. You have to say, is there, what's the legitimate need on this side? What's the legitimate need on this side? Is there a way of meeting both needs? Is there a way of not having the only solutions be side A wins, side B wins, or some meeting compromise or some avoidance? Um, from Galton's experience working with 
situations of conflict, he says that the only really stable and sustainable solutions to problems are ones which actually meet the needs of people. That a situation in which side A wins, maybe because it's more powerful, is not going to be stable. You know, side B is always, and you can look at any situation in the world that you could imagine. I think this is also true of any intrapsychic conflict or any interpersonal conflict. That how do you use the imagination to move to a way of resolving both sides, of meeting the needs of both sides? So I want to give you another example to have you think about this. And you can stay in the group. Here, this is a, a real-life example. It really happened. Actually, this, this man who I studied with, Galtung, who's a Norwegian man in his 70s now, who's, I think, one of the great um, peacemakers of our world. He's not so well-known. His name is G, uh, Galtung, G-A-L-T-U-N-G, first name Johan. This is a real-life situation. And I'll symbolize, uh, again, by the conflict by A and B. Side A, is it's a conflict between two countries, Peru and Ecuador. Real-life conflict, actually. Between 1941 and 1995, Peru and Ecuador fought four wars over territory that both claimed, lying between them. It's actually in the Andes, Uh, There were no natural resources there, and almost no one lived there. They fought four wars. Thousands of people were killed. True story. And how would you solve that conflict? Groups of four. You have four minutes. training I did with him. We did this uh, several days, just one thing after another. It's like a form of practice, training the mind to work in a different way. I talked about it with, with Julie. She said, let's bring it here. <laughs>
So about 30 seconds, and each group should be able to suggest the solution in one sentence. So if any of you have felt your, your sense of your true vocation arising, <laughs> um, there's actually a close connection between doing the practice we do and, and being a peacemaker. Um, so let's start on this end this time. What's your, what's your solution to this, um, what, 55-year series of wars? Great. Yeah. Does that meet the? Is that the E is sort of a visionary both-end solution to a conflict? It's got by identifying the needs of each side, right? The needs. Um, and we're assuming the needs are not to lose. What? We're assuming that the primary need is not to lose on both sides. Not to lose. Not to lose. You know, not not to simply have the other side win. Right. Yeah. Well. Um, actually, the need is more should be expressed something a little more positively, maybe security or peace or something like that. But that's a very it's a very um, it's a visionary solution, isn't it? Um, let's stay with that and come to the group in the back. Mm-hmm. that they could share so that they were getting something out of the land and they could each go back to their own countries and say, look what we got, mm-hmm. sort of along the same lines of you know, not losing face and also presenting a positive solution to mm-hmm. the people of their own countries mm-hmm. that something good had come out of mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. Please. But the best, I think, would be to share the land and give help. To cut the land in half? Okay. 
Let's do one more, then I'll come back to these. Or actually do all of them, yeah. We decided there must be a very deep claim to the land on both sides. We could, you know, some religious claim or security claim, and that the only way to address that would be to have some form of joint governance mm-hmm. with the acknowledgement on the part of those who are governing that they would respect the claims of each group. Mm-hmm. Does that, is that a sort of visionary both-and solution? Okay, it is. Please. Uh, we also thought of some, since you said that it didn't seem that no one lived there and no, no assets, so it was kind of an ego thing. So we, we thought that, um, that, we should, that they should split it equally and but give each other, each other countries the right to pass Mm-hmm. Just, but, they, but they could each have you know, half the city, north, south, east, or whatever the hell they could say. But they could say that was theirs and that was theirs, but, but they could still share. Not share it, but you mean it. Mm-hmm. So it's partly, you know, in some ways we could say that um, cutting it in half is, is a little bit like a compromise, would you say? Yeah, we were kind of we confused about that. Yeah. Sure but, but, you, but the notion of being able to pass through relates to the interest in uh, what? Uh, a need for free movement? Well, related yeah. to, to uh, uh, Indian reservation itself. Like, they have their own sovereignty. Mm-hmm. And people can pass through. Yeah, yeah. A lot of good ideas there. So please, two, two other groups. We didn't follow the rules. <laughs> it's, um, we, we wanted to bring in a neutral party like the United Nations. Okay. What is the real underlying interest of the party? What mm-hmm. is driving this? If it's is it territorial, it may be nothing more than after all this time you can't win elections mm-hmm. unless you agree to defend the territory. Mm-hmm. What is the underlying psychic mm-hmm. drive that then lets you define what the interest is mm-hmm. to come up with a win win solution? Mm-hmm. So more listening. Yeah, more. It's, it's a process of yeah. figuring out what is really happening here. Mm-hmm. This may not be a territorial issue at all. Mm-hmm. Right. Very good. Yeah. Please, last group. We have the same thing, basically. Um, we didn't feel like we had enough information to be able to discern what their interests were and imagine that they may be operating out of memory as well, and they don't know. Mm-hmm. And so a process for them to discover and describe their interests to one another mm-hmm. and see if there really is a conflict or not. Mm-hmm. Mediation process. Mediation process. So a lot of amazing ideas. Let me tell you what actually happened. And I, I want to recognize that uh, I didn't give that much information, so I think you're, the last two responses are very appropriate, that it might be just to want to listen more. Of course, in the actual situation, they had a lot more information. So what actually happened was... Um, some, of, some of the younger military officers in both countries were fed up with these wars. Thousands of people killed. Somehow they, they knew of Galtung because he had been doing intervention in conflicts for, since 1965. They brought him down just by himself. He talked to both sides and listened. And somehow the idea of a jointly administered park <laughs> 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 was, 
was suggested, and everyone agreed on it. And it's been peaceful since then. Did they cheat? Wow. Did they know? Did any of you know? No. We're thinking of Disneyland. <laughs> <laughs> what did he say? Okay. Disneyland. <laughs> so they, what they actually suggested was a jointly sponsored uh, sort of natural park. And that would be that would have free movement. It would be jointly sponsored. They thought that I think that if you actually tried to divide it in half, it would be more like the compromise, and it would it would get into boundary issues and a lot of squabbling. So it was actually a more visionary solution that would meet both needs, which was to really end the conflict partly, and to have um, what some dignity in the solution. You might say was was a need. Free travel, free movement, but I think your your responses are very appropriate because you didn't have all the information, and but maybe just to say a little more, what Galtung did, he went down there, he listened to both sides, he conveyed across the sides the idea of a, nat- a natural park, which both agreed on. That within four days they agreed, the conflict was over. He billed them for forty three dollars, which which was the cost of the bus ride. He had been actually in Colombia. The cost of the bus ride and one night's hotel, bus ride from Colombia to Peru and one night's hotel, and he left. Wow. Did he ever determine the original source of the conflict? Well, both countries just wanted it. There was no special spiritual claim to the land? No. No, It was pretty trivial land, but they still were killing people. And so I, th- I think why I'm bringing this up is that it it's, it's can be a very powerful way to look at our own conflicts. It's really asking, okay, what is there a deep need? What is that? If, you had to, if I had to talk about a deep, legitimate need, what would it be? What's it on my side? What's it on the other person's side? If we, if we look at it like that. And it can be a, a very simple model, but you, you know, it's, it's amazing how that one idea brought to an end 55 years of war. It's really... um, And so the last thing I'd like to do is just to invite you to... This is just by yourself. We, We can just come back to our own place if you'd like. There's a lot more we could say about this if we were wanting to explore it more. There, there are subtleties, but I think the, the basic notion I find is very much similar to what we find with the Buddha, which is a notion that there's a tendency for us to get in dualistic conflicts where only one side can win, where they're polarized. And part of the solution is to see if there's a way to break out of that rigid duality. And so here's the last um, little practice we'll do. And this is, um, this you'll just keep to yourself. We won't have to um, talk about how you resolve it with, with others. So it's really, it can be really private now. And go back to your original conflict that you contemplated in the morning. And imagine yourself In the midst of that conflict, again, it can be interpersonal or it could be as 
it was, um, for at least some, it could be a conflict between two possibilities or options. And you're involved in the conflict. There's a knock on the door. And a person that you consider wise appears. It might be the Buddha. It might be Kuan Yin. It might be your grandmother. It might be a mentor. And see who that is. And whoever that is, that being actually becomes you. That wise being enters into the conflict situation and is you. What would that wise being do to resolve the conflict that you've brought up? You might bring in the sense of a of a visionary solution, such as we've just explored. What would this wise being do to work with this conflict?
So now the wise being is completing this presence to the conflict. And is now no longer exactly the same as you, ready to go back out the door and say thank you or whatever you'd like to say. I think we'll just um, end here. We can talk some about that um, um, after the talk. I think it might be good just to let it settle and um, just to know that um, if that wise being felt accessible, it might be because that wise being is part of you. And... um, is always accessible. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.